What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I know you're a little confused. You're like, are we listening to In My Non-Expert Opinion? Because that was new music. Yes, we have new music. I am so excited about it. Shout out to one of my listeners, Melissa Barham. She sent it over and she was like, I just feel like this track really sounds like your vibe and your energy. And I was like, uh, it does. And I'm obsessed with it. So let's make it my new music. I haven't had new music in over a year. And I feel like it's a fun way to refresh the energy of something. I don't know if it's like the season's changing or that I'm traveling and I'm just inspired more, but I feel like the podcast is going through a bit of an evolution and things are getting changed up. You know, now we have the voice note segment, which by the way, why aren't you guys leaving voice notes? Please go run and leave them. I want to hear from you. You can ask me a question and I will give my non-expert or expert opinion, but also I just feel like I'm going to start talking about some different things. I want to talk about relationships and attachment styles and dating and the downsides of working remote and living abroad. I just feel like the the podcast evolves as I evolve and I've gone through a lot of change lately. So yeah, I figured why not change up the music? So speaking of living abroad and working abroad, I don't know if all of you know this, but I used to work in corporate America for six years. I used to do software sales for a content and influencer marketing company, and I was in the hustle. I was getting to work early. I would skip my lunch. I would stay late. I would do meetings after work with different clients, you know, happy hours, just entertaining. That was the world of sales. And I was that person that really tied my worth to work. So to me, if I was not at work, it was like, what, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not a, a valuable member of society. So I'm not kidding. I would skip lunch and actually send my boss a calendar invite of what I was doing. I was in grad school, by the way, when I was working in corporate America. So I had grad school after work, and then I would work nine to five. So I would send him calendar invites until one day he's like, I really don't need to know what you're doing on your lunch break. Like, you're allowed to do whatever you want. And that was so freeing for me because... I figured if I work more, I'll get more praise and more affirmation and kind of move up the ladder quicker. When in reality, that wasn't the case, right? Like you do your work when you're supposed to, and you'll move up the ladder naturally. But I really tied my identity and my worth to accolades, titles, praise, high salaries, you know, what people thought of me in the office. And so when I decided to quit my job in 2019, I had a really big identity crisis I remember just being like, woo, I'm going to leave. Can't wait. Going to start my own thing. I was moving to Australia. I had made this whole vision board. I'm like, this is amazing. Like I am truly living my dream. But because I had put so much of my self-worth into work, quitting actually wasn't that easy. I remember having insane anxiety. I remember rehearsing the quit speech like a million times. I'm pretty sure I cried before I even like opened the Zoom link when I quit. And I was like, you know, it is sad because I worked there for six years, but it was also like, I feel like I'm losing a massive piece of my identity in my life. And I don't think entrepreneurs talk about that a lot, that when you leave corporate America, you do kind of lose this piece of yourself and your identity changes and you shed old layers of yourself. So what do you do when you shed old layers and then you step into a new identity that has actually nothing to do with corporate America? So that's something I talk about today with my guests, Andy Eaton Alleman. We talk about starting your own spiritual business and what that's like when you come from corporate America, finding your purpose, shedding an old identity, manifesting the life of your dreams, and so much more. You'll actually hear how Andy transitioned to becoming a soul strategist, and we talk about titles and how we make those up 
in, you know, when you do your own thing, you can make your own title. So we talk about that, identifying what your purpose is and how you want to help people activate their purpose. The whole idea of mystical work and the practicality of mystical work, which I know sounds a little paradoxical, but we get into that. The influx of manifestation coaching and content during the pandemic and how Andy approaches manifestation and her work, building networks and how you actually don't have to throw away the skill sets that you learned in corporate America and how you can connect to what's next for you as you start your own business. And one of my favorite pieces of advice that she left listeners was create a life in which you are able to attract in the things that make you feel your best. So buckle up. If you worked in corporate or had any type of identity shift lately, you are going to want to listen to this episode. It is such a goodie. Andy is so transparent. And I asked her some tough questions and she was down to have those conversations with me, which I always appreciate. So you're definitely going to love this episode. Before we dive in, just one quick announcement. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I will enter you into a giveaway to win the interview like Oprah Masterclass. This is one of my most popular masterclasses and every single person that's taken it says they became a better interviewer after it. So if you have a podcast or you're a content creator that you know you are going to collaborate with people and you want to learn how to interview, so that could be for like guest speaking or masterminds or courses or anything where you have people on that you need to use the interview format, this would be such an incredible class for you. So the way you win that is you go to Apple Podcasts, go to my show, scroll down to the write a review section write your review, screenshot that before you hit submit, and then send it into info at chelsearife.com or DM me at Chelsea Rife. And then at the end of November, I will pull two winners to win the interview like Oprah masterclass. Alrighty, that's it for me. Let's dive into this week's episode with Andy Eaton Alleman. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am so excited to talk to today's guest, Andy Alleman soul strategist, podcast host of Your Woo Woo Best Friend and founder of We We. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. You were the first person introducing me with my new married last name. So that oh was fun gosh. to hear. Yes. Yeah. And this good alliteration, right? Like Andy Alleman. Yeah. I kind of, I was like, I think this new name is kind of sexy. Yeah, let's go with it. You know, I was yeah. like, it wasn't like, am I going to take the last name? Because it's like, all the family history and all of that. I was like, is the name sexy? It's sexy. Yes. Whenever going I always it. say that too. I'm like, you know what? I like my last name. So unless my future husband's last name is like baller, I really want to keep my <laughs> own name. So I understand <laughs> that logic. Yes. Yes. So Andy, soul strategist, tell us what that is. Yeah, it is an interesting title, isn't it? I spent a bajillion years working in the corporate world and I worked in the beauty industry. And during that time, I found that one of the things I was really, really great at was connecting with the creatives in the industry and really tapping deeply into what really drove them, what supported them in their work. And it was my first little insight into having this particular skill set around really being able to work with people at a soul level and help them to find purpose. And that was in my early days, my corporate early days. And so as I grew and evolved and transformed as we all do, I really considered what is it that I want to do in my work? How do I want to support people? And the terminology that made the best sense to me was that I wanted to work with people on soul strategy, really tapping deeply into what someone's purpose is and whether that be life purpose, whether that be purpose in your business, whether that be purpose in the type of relationships that you're getting into. It could be purpose in any capacity. And all of that comes from really looking deeply at who we are as soul beings. And it is a little woo-woo. 
And yet there's still the strategy side of it. So it's like this mix of getting quite mystical and looking at what you incarnated on this planet to do. And I do this with CEOs as equally as I do this with folks that are woo-woo like me. And then there's the strategic part, which is then looking at how to map out whatever it is that will support you in your personal evolution and growth. And that is truly what that word, those combination of words means to me. Yeah, I love that the mystical meets the practical because yes. it's like you need both of them, especially like you just said, CEOs, people trying to figure out that next step in life. A lot of times the language can be so esoteric that you're like, but what does that mean? You know, like what does show up in the world mean? What does get into alignment mean? And it sounds like you really provide those tools for people to get in alignment or, you know, activate their purpose. Yeah, it's it's very much that. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where when I was coming up in my career in, in the corporate days, there was no job titles that were like, you know, people uncovering people's deepest gifts and talents. Maybe that was kind of an HR thing, maybe kind of. But in my world, it was more like you went to see HR if there was a problem. It wasn't about really helping folks to uncover gifts and talents. And so I had to really think about what is it that I do really, really well in my work? And I was working in marketing, sales, operations. And I love those things too. I love brand development. I love looking at ways to connect with people and create sales strategies that really align and make people feel great about why they want to connect to a product or a brand. And all of that stuff was great fun for me too. But what I really found that I absolutely loved was going deep with people and figuring out what made them tick and what made them find their own happiness in the work that they do. I love that. You know what? There's probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are in corporate America. I used to be in corporate America. You did. And it's interesting that you work with CEOs because I'm wondering what approach do you use? Because the language, like you said, in corporate environments is not focused on the mystical and the spiritual and finding purpose. So I'm curious, like, how are you getting in touch or how are they receiving this to, because I feel like that's probably the way the industry is going. Like we sure. need these spiritual practices in corporate America, but to me, it's, it's such a hard sell. So I'm like, how have you done that? Yeah. On my podcast many months ago, I had a guest on and she asked me, she said, Andy, did you know that you were practicing like witch magic when you were in the boardroom, when you were in your young corporate days? And I like stopped in my you know, I stopped at my microphone and was like, wait, what? And she said, you were showing up in rooms and influencing the room. And you were able to kind of morph into the environment in a way that wasn't like you being fake or, or not authentically you, but you were able to really listen, see what people's language was, see what people were and what their intended outcome was from those meetings. And you were able to make a great impact by showing up in a way that was you being uniquely you, but also tapping deeply into ultimately what would support the group. And when I think back on my corporate days, I was really good at that. I mean, I had, I had really good results in my work. My sales teams were exceptionally talented and I was really good at hiring people that loved what they did. And ultimately that would drive the best success. So I was able to get in those rooms initially and get connected to those types of people because I had results. I had done a good job and I had proven myself worthy of being in those conversations and understanding their business and also who they were as a leader. So initially, it was not something I ever intended to do. I wasn't like I mapped out a plan and said, oh, I want to work with CEOs. 
I just found myself in those rooms because of the commitment I made to doing a great job for people and showing up in ways that were aligned to what they might need. And so as I started to transform my business and really think about what I wanted to do that really lit me up the most, I was already in places that I I started to have those relationships being formed. And then, of course, then I put myself in those places more often. I went to conferences. I joined workshops. I went to retreats. I did things that put me in relationship with those people more frequently. You're highlighting such an underrated past and present connection that people tend to miss is like, they think I need to leave corporate America and like, start all over, like throw everything in the trash, burn it down, you know, rebuild a whole new identity, decondition all these things. But what we fail to realize is we actually pick up a lot of skills from our past experiences that we can use in our future. And I think that's something that you're highlighting here is like, you didn't completely disassociate from your networks and what you learned and the skills you built, you actually use them to enhance your current reality. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I think a part of what helped me, and I did not see this as a benefit as I was starting, is I didn't really know what my business was going to look like when I left my corporate career. What I did do is I saved enough money to be prepared to do it. I gave myself space to get really open to whatever was going to come next to start to show itself to me. I had some ideas and I tried some things. And I got really good at being okay with failure. And if, if I tried something and it didn't work, that was okay. That was really okay with me. And I learned a lot in that process. Because of all of that, I was able to be really flexible and recognize how important the relationships that I had spent a decade of my career building, how important those relationships were. And so as I started to then form my company and morph my business into something that really made the best sense for me... I was allowing a lot of movement, change, all of that to be a part of how I built the business. So incredible. And I like what you said too about relationship building. That's something that is also underrated is the piece of retention in our business and like using the networks we already have. I think a lot of us hear that word, your net worth is your or your, your network is your net worth. Yeah. But we think of it in our new communities of like, oh, the new memberships I'm in, the new masterminds. But we fail to realize like, wait a second, you know, that, that one girl from college that I was roommates with, her, you know, brother works at this company that introduced me to this person. Like you start to see this spider web of connections. And I think you're, you're telling us the importance of like really nurturing those relationships and not severing things when they don't really need to be. Yeah, I think that that is important. It's, you know, you put in all this time when you are in a corporate environment, you might as, even if you don't love it, you might as well look at what you did take from it, what relationships you built, what skill sets you've learned, the professional development you've had, and see how you can incorporate that into what's next for you. Absolutely. You know, I have a question about identity because in corporate America or any type of corporate environment, really, we get really hung up on our job title, like yeah. income we make, the status, you know, if we're managers or not, we get really, really invested in all of that. And when you start your own business, especially in the spiritual realm, it's hard not to let go of that, right? Like 
wait, you know, we make up our own titles, right? Soul strategist yeah. is not a corporate title. Podcast host even is like a newer thing. So I'm curious with the identity shifting into this more mystical work and spiritual realm, did you go through any like identity deaths or ego deaths or was it like a natural transition? Oh, no, I totally did. I absolutely <laughs> did. It was not natural at all. It was, you know, back to with that podcast guest of mine had shared, she was like, you were able to go in the in the room and, and morph, morph in the environment. And I had taken on that identity for sure. And was it me and that at that part of my life? Absolutely. Was it me forever? Definitely not. And I had to go through that experience of shedding the previous version of me, corporate Andy, Andy, who was a director of sales, Andy, who wore high heels to work every day, Andy, who did a lot of champagne drinking and like, you know, loved a loved a party. Like I had to go through the death of that and really look at who am I in the next evolution of self. And as I consider my highest purpose, what does that look like? And the one thing I knew really loud and clearly as I was leaving my corporate job when I did not have a plan of exactly what my business was going to be, but I knew I wanted to do something for myself, what I was real clear on was that I had something within me that needed to be expressed that was not currently being expressed. I had talents that I had yet to uncover that I was very interested in diving into and really excavating. And that was only going to happen if I shed some of that. And I got like I did a lot of shedding. I broke up with a long-term boyfriend. I moved out of the country. I, I was I moved to Spain for six months. I did a lot of that to support the ego death, to really help me to break it down, to get to the other side and open up to whatever might come next for me. Oh my gosh. That is so relatable, right? Like the, <laughs> yeah, you know. the sales dinners. Yeah. The happy hours. Like, oh my gosh, I just remember those days. And then you're like, wait, I... To, like I don't relate to this person. Yeah. It's actually something I still work on a lot where I'm like my early 20s was like party girl Chelsea and a lot of people from that era of my life still know me as that. So sometimes even when I go back home, I get a little bit activated, you know, of like yeah. oh my gosh, I have to be that party girl, that center of attention, the girl that's like slamming shots, but like I don't want to do that. I don't actually want to go out till 5 in the morning at this club. I mean, sometimes I do, but not all the time, and I think that's something that has been really hard for me. And you talked about that shedding process. Yeah. Can you walk us through some of the tools or support systems or even people that were in your corner during that time? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so, it's so challenging. I have to tell you this, this is kind of funny. In 2016, I, no, it was 2015. I, I moved to Spain 20 summer of 2014. I came back from that, that trip. I had now started my new business in 2015, I was named by the newspaper in New Orleans, which is my hometown. I was named to the top 10 list of partygoers in the city. And if anybody knows me now, like they would be like, you were one of the top partygoers. The other people on that list were the quarterback of the football team of the NFL team, <laughs> the oh archbishop gosh. of the Catholic church in the city of New Orleans. It's a very Catholic city. Um, the mayor. It was like people like that. And then I was like the lay person on the list that was like, I was at every fashion event, every every event in town, I was there. And that was a part of my corporate identity. And it was also a part of what 
it was it was how embedded I was in that community. And I loved that time period of of being so connected to that community in that way. But I looked at that as this was after I had come back from this experience of living abroad. And I was like, oh wow, like I just got named to this list. And you know, if you're on a party list in New Orleans, like you were you gotta be going pretty hard. Yeah. Quite a party town. <laughs> so I looked at that and was like, Anyone who looks at that today, what they're going to see in a year from now is going to be a very different human being because I had already started that transition through that time period of living abroad and really starting to think about what was going to be next. Now I don't even drink alcohol. I'm like, I I think I'm a little more fun today than I was then. But like, I think there's some people that might be like, hey, girl, like you were a really good time then. What are you doing now? Mm. But anyways, with, with all that said, to answer your question... Yeah, it, it was challenging. There were definitely people that did not want anything to do with my transition into not only being a business owner, but like breaking breaking up with a partner that had been in my life for, you know, quite a few years. There there was there was a lot of things like that that folks who just folks that really like to hang on to things staying the same did not like what I was up to. And so, mm. you know, that that, that meant friends of mine that meant acquaintances that meant people in my community and then there were other people that which i think you know you see this and folks listening to this show will totally get this when you start seeking your own expansion you start to align with other people seeking expansion and all of a sudden folks that perhaps you didn't even know before or relationships that you didn't have before or weren't weren't what they could become start to find you and you start to have these really great support folks that, you know, you might look at it and go, I didn't even know this person a year ago, but now they're like one of the closest people in my life because they get this version of me and this person I'm becoming. And I really love the practice of taking a look around at the five people that you're the closest to. It's like a very, you know, this is a practice that's been this is not a new idea, but looking around at who are you spending the most time with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What is their vibe? What, is, what are they up to? Are they expanding? Are they seeking highest purpose? And if they aren't, doesn't mean you can't be friends with them anymore or still, you know, love them. If it's your mom and your sister, you, you know, you're not necessarily kicking them out of your life. But what does begin to happen is you start to attract more people like that or put yourself in places where there are people like that in order to help you to elevate along the way. And that's very much what what I had to do to support my process during that time. Yeah. And sometimes it might have to be, like you said, a physical move. Like yeah. sometimes you have to get out of a hometown or a toxic workspace or something. And I think that's something that a lot of people feel like they can't do, right? They're like, I can't leave this job. It pays me really well. It's how I take care of my family. Or I can't just leave my hometown, my my family is around or, you know, I'm taking care of my mom, something like that. Like sometimes there are very real life limitations in those instances. How would you advise them to change their environment if they physically or financially don't have the resources to move? Yeah, sure. And that's a lot of people's circumstance, right? Like we can't all pick up and move. And trust me, when I did this move to Spain, it was the most low budget move you could ever make. I lived in a friend's house and did what I could to make sure that I was okay during this time in which I was not going to be having a steady income because I was building a business. But there are people that definitely can't do can't do that. And I absolutely get that. And the beauty of the internet and social media, which there are certainly challenges with those things, but the great thing about those things, the beauty of podcasting, 
is you can introduce communities into your mind, into your space, into your sphere that do support you, whether that's joining masterminds, whether that's joining women's groups, whether that's listening to podcasts like this one or like my show. These are the types of things that as you start to put this stuff into your mind, reading books, watching documentaries, like checking yourself, like what are you paying attention to? What are you consuming? When you start to make that shift, even if you can't move out of your mama's house and quit your job, when you start introducing that good stuff and those type of people into your subconscious realm, even if you can't make that move yet, it will help you to start to build trust in self and a a confidence in a new way that will support you in making moves like that in future should you want to, should you want to make a move like that. That's that's what I would recommend doing. Oh, 100%. Like having online digital mentors is a thing. Like they don't need to know your first name. They don't even need to know if you exist. But the fact that you can tune into their content, like you said, especially podcasting where it's free, it's so valuable. It's so dense with knowledge and practical advice. I mean, now that I'm, now that we're talking about this out loud, that's actually what happened with me. I was in corporate America commuting every day back and forth in the snow in Chicago, doing a job where I was very unfulfilled. And the podcasts that I listen to on my commute every day are what started to inspire me to be like, oh, there's actually a way out. Like there are very easy, practical ways that I could start to make steps to make an exit plan. And then you just, like you said, you align yourself with these people. And then it's kind of like that, you know, when you see a white Jeep and you see 10, like all of a sudden you find one podcast, you have 10 of them and you can start to really build, like you said, a new, not only neural pathways, but like real networks and real friends of people that also tune in or are aligned with that type of content. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. I, you know, I think about the folks that I see in some of my workshops or that I have an opportunity to bring on retreats and things of that sort. And almost always they, their entry point to me was the podcast now, because I've been doing that for the last year and a half. And before that it was my blog. So they have, they had a relationship with me before we ever sat, you know, sat down face to face at a table in Tulum on a retreat or across the screen from from one another in a workshop because they were all already starting to introduce what I offer into their world and then got to a place where they were like, yeah, this is really working for me. I want to spend more time with her. So go find those people that you want to spend more time with and you can start by reading their blogs, listening to their podcasts, watching their YouTube, whatever it might be. And then if you're really resonating with it, then go hang out in their space more often in ways in which you can get closer and get more support. Yes, 100% agree. You know, something that I feel like you talk about a lot is manifestation. And I am such a big fan of visualization, vision boards, like speaking things into existence. There are so many practical things that I do mentally or physically, you know, journaling, meditating, et cetera. But I feel, and you can tell me what you think about this, in the last few years, manifestation had this big boom. And I think we can obviously attribute that to the pandemic, right? People were not happy and fulfilled. We needed some type of clarity or guidance. And, you know, we were genuinely like, what do I do next? Like, I want to feel better. And manifestation content really started to ramp up to the point where it almost felt like you couldn't scroll on Instagram without seeing almost every page talk about a manifestation practice, a manifestation coaching program, something. And I'm curious for you, focusing on this as part of your business or your content, 
did you feel like what's going on here? Like, how do I stand out or how do I shift? Like, was there anything that affected your business because of this kind of influx of manifestation coaches and content? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with the the reason for it. I think people were, they were home way more often. They were making big life decisions. And a part of learning that you are a fantastic manifester is putting your mind to something, making a decision you're going to leave your corporate job or move across the country or whatever it may be. And then that thing coming to fruition and then checking back at how you did it and realizing that, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. I think a lot of folks were doing that and then realizing I am pretty good at this and I want to then share with my community, whether it's on Instagram or whatever it may be, what my process was. And so I definitely saw a lot of that happening. And, you know, I think back to like, I don't know, 2015, 2016, and there was maybe three or four manifestation teachers that, you know, were offering online courses or podcast content or things of that sort. My process, I I have an eight-step manifestation process, and I got really grounded in that process when I made that move to Spain back in 2014. And I learned in that time period what worked for me. And then I started to share what was working for me with folks around me and it was working for them. So exactly what folks are going through in 20, in, over 2020 and 2021 is kind of what I had gone through in 2014 that opened me up to my own practice. So I was just doing it a little bit sooner than I think what we've, we've seen happening most recently. But, you know, I for one think that there is an opportunity. Everyone is a manifester. Every single one of us has the ability to manifest. And if you need some support to figure out what your process is, now you've got loads of folks out there that you can look to to help you to find your practice. And while most practices have similarities within them. There's a lot of like working through limiting beliefs, moving through blocks in that in that way, looking at how your vibrational frequency is day to day. Like what are you vibing high on? What are you not feeling? Learning how to work with that as a human being because we all have high vibe moments and low vibe moments and we want to try to create more high vibrational feelings. So there's there's that in most folks' manifestation practices, most teachers' manifestation practices. There's working with feelings and emotions and action and learning how to take inspired action. So I think the general content is probably not super dissimilar. It's really a matter of who do you resonate with and who do you feel like is going to support you in really getting getting it down for you. And so while there's certainly many more folks out there teaching it, And I think some of them probably do a really amazing job and maybe some are not so great, but I think you've just got to find who resonates for you. For me, in terms of my business, we have a signature course called Manifestation Blueprint, and it is very much that mix of mystical mindset and practical strategy. We go through all of that, breaking down the limiting beliefs, working through that whole process, really learning how to tap into higher emotional and vibrational frequencies. But then we do a lot of that practical strategy. And that very much goes back to my corporate days because I know to get something accomplished, you also have to have a really strong action plan. And so in my manifestation school, that's what I offer is a way to do that emotional and energetic work. And then also apply that good like CEO of your life approach to your practice so that you can build quickly and start to attract in what you want through strategies that you are 
really owning. And so the folks that come into my experience, they really love that. They love the blend of the practical strategy and the mystical mindset. So I think there's there's someone out there for anyone interested in learning about manifestation as a practice. I love that. Now I have to ask you, because you did get into the game like a little earlier, right? You were pre-pandemic yeah. talking about this stuff. Was there any part of you that saw content that was misinformation or maybe even fear-mongering or manipulative? Because some things I was seeing were just like, almost alarming where I place a lot of blame on the person for not, you know, Oh, you jinx this or like, sure. you know, you shouldn't say this out loud and just stuff that I think people start to get scared of. Like, this is what causes that question. Am I doing it right? I must be a quote unquote bad manifester. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm curious what you saw as someone who has been in the game longer, anything that was floating around that just was like a little ick. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of that stuff. I, I actually have a couple of podcast episodes in which I kind of break down some of that stuff. Like one of those being, I, I think I called the episode the law why the law of attraction isn't enough. And that's one of the things we talk about. It's that that idea of like if you're not just speaking positive, you know, outcomes into the universe at all times, you are, you know, in some regard jinxing yourself. There is a narrative that has come that is not what the law of attraction is about, but there is a narrative that has come from the law of attraction that says that, that says, you know, if you say no to something, well, you're gonna get it because you you just put the no in front of the thing that, you know, you didn't want to get, but now you're going to get it. Like all of that superstition, that is not what manifestation is about. And when I see folks teaching it that way, definitely very icky. And my hope is that, you know, we're all, we're all brilliant beings. I would hope that if you see that going on, you recognize like that is, that is not it, sister. Like that is not it. Superstition truly has nothing to do with creating a life in which you are able to attract in the things that make you feel your best, that really light you up. Superstition has nothing to do with identifying our dreams and then working towards them and believing that we are truly worthy of our dreams. There's also the concern that I most definitely have that is really putting people who have been in suppressed environments, which there are many of those people out there that have not lived privileged life, that are being told by privileged people that the reason that they've lived in suppression is because they are on some sort of like low vibrational frequency, which we know that that is not true. We know that 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 we are human beings living in a world in which some people are elevated and some people are suppressed. And that is the state of our, that is the state of our world. And so telling people that something bad has happened to them because they brought that on themselves is total bullshit and really quite unethical as as a teacher of any type like not not cool yeah i will say there is definitely some content that immediately it almost gives me like a stomach ache because you're like how could this even be said without like you said without considering your background your resources your zip code even like totally. your access to healthy food your access to medical healthcare like there's so many different environmental societal racial factors that do contribute to your reality yeah. so yeah there's content floating around that we need to be a little discerning of like where does this person like what is their viewpoint and values and what do they believe in because having the privileged background and spiritual bypassing. And like you said, just yeah. saying these blanket statements is completely, in my opinion, out of integrity and not someone you should be investing any time or energy into. 
totally. If someone is scaring you in any capacity into thinking that your life is not in your own control in that in that way, that you don't have the ability to decide what you want, go for your desires, create a vision that would completely light you up. If someone is scaring you into thinking that's not possible for you because of the way that your anxiety feels on any given day or because of the way that you've been treated, if, if that is happening, they are not for you. That is not the person you want to be paying attention to. There's even some of the things that were going around TikTok I think maybe last year is when it kind of started where it's like, you know, you've got to wake up at 3 a.m. and then you have to say three times these three affirmations. And if you do that, (laughs) you know, for like 33 days, then everything that you want is going to come true. And while I support the idea of having a ritual and a practice and a routine that works for you, nothing is going to change in your life if you wake up at 3 a.m. and say three things, you know, 33 days in a row, if you're not really doing deeper work to look at what are those core beliefs that have lived in you for a long time that are ultimately keeping you small? Where are you keeping yourself small? And I'm not talking about this stuff that where where you've not been able to have access to things that allow you to grow. I'm talking about where are you keeping yourself small? No amount of saying three affirmations at three o'clock in the morning is going to change that. So be mindful of that stuff too. It can be fun. It can be a great way to get yourself started on a ritual practice that could be supportive to you. But it's not like when 33 day comes, if your manifestations all don't come true, all of a sudden you're just a shitty manifester and you should give up. Like that's not reality. Yes. I always say this, like manifestation is not a game show. It's not like door number four. If you open that door, you're going to win a big prize. And if not, see you next round. Like that's not how it works. It's not a genie in a bottle. Like you said, it's not all these three, three, three times three times three. It's like what works for you. And I think too, what you said, if they're scaring you, but also if you feel like the only possible way for you to feel better is to buy their course, right? If they're like gatekeeping that information, if they're making you feel like you are not going to learn unless you invest with them, that is a major red flag and you should immediately turn the other way. It's so true because the reality is none of this content is not available to you for free somewhere. There's plenty of places that you can find the information to support you in developing a practice of any type. A manifestation practice is what we're talking about. But if it's, you know, a yoga practice, a healthy eating practice, whatever it might be for you, it's all available. What you're buying if you decide to invest in someone's course is that they have curated content. They have pulled together what they believe to be the best content and even created some strategies from the content that exists out in the world that could be very unique to them, that is, in fact, authored by them. And you're buying into that mentorship and that relationship and how that makes you feel and how that supports raising your own self-worth and confidence. And that is very worth investing in if you feel aligned to what you believe that person is going to bring forward for you to grow. Yeah. And I think a tip, and this is something I had to learn later in my investing journey is like, listen to your body, right? If you're on a discovery call and you're getting anxious or you're like, you feel tightness in your chest, that's not a good sign. If you feel like guilty for not investing in them, if they're telling you to sign on the spot and get a deposit on the phone and you're like, this just feels weird. Like listen to that because it's probably right. Your body doesn't lie. It's so true. 
Yeah, all of those things, all of those things. Uh, you you know that I am a I a human design is a big part of my practice, and that is one of the things we teach in human design. Is for most of us, we need to be listening to our bodies more, and it is the exact opposite of how we operate. Most of us are listening to the little voice in our head, which is for most of us not the voice that is going to be your best friend. The body will always steer you right. So listen to your body. Such a good tip. Oh, I love that. This is actually a perfect segue into something that you developed, you know, speaking of a custom strategy, things that work for you, incorporating things that you've tried and believed in is your soul strategy reading. So I'm curious, where did this idea come from? Yeah, I I love doing these readings. They have been such a just joyful part of what I get to do with, with my community. So yeah, they're called soul strategy readings. We talked a little bit about what soul strategy means to me. And Two of the modalities that I find to be incredibly important for someone who is on a journey to better understand what they have incarnated on this planet to do is human design, which I just mentioned, and North Node astrology. The North Node astrology specifically is all about life purpose. It's your karmic astrology. It takes a look at what you're bringing into this lifetime from previous iterations of your your soul. That's what the South Node tells us. And then the North Node helps us to really identify what is our North Star in this lifetime. So I take that astrology plus your human design chart. We look at we look at a lot of the things that if you're familiar with human design, you may know about, which would be your type, your authority. But we go really deep into your gates, specifically sun gates and earth gates. They're kind of like, to me, I find that your archetypal talents can really be identified through those gates. And when you start working towards the themes of those gates, they the gates are your natural gifts and talents. It's like if you took a picture of your soul the moment that you were born, you have gates, aka talents, that imprinted onto your soul then. And then you have gates, aka talents, that imprinted onto your soul when your soul was incarnating into your little embryonic body, this is now getting a little bit woo, but like that's that's kind of how the gates look on a human design chart. So I love going deep into those components, the gates on the human design chart, plus your your type, your authority, et cetera. And then the North Node astrology overlaying those two charts and then helping to guide someone into what their real life purpose is, next moves, any blocks they may be experiencing. That's what we work on. And I invite the folks that get those readings to let me know what they are really wanting to work on right now. So if it's like, all right, I'm building a business and I really need guidance on how to do this, or I'm like considering a big move, or I'm, I've been in this long-term relationship and I'm trying to see what to do next with it. So we, we really look at what is what is it that's important to you right now? What do you need to get clarity around? What sort of purpose do you need to uncover? And then we use those modalities to, to do that. I love that you blend so many different things together. And I'm curious, why specifically North Node? North Node is the point on the chart that identifies purpose. It tells us where we will find the most lit up life should we pursue the traits, the themes, the experiences that align to that particular point on your chart, that particular sign. So for example, 
my north node is in Libra, which means my south node is in Aries. So I'm bringing from south node, I'm bringing all this Aries energy into this lifetime as I work towards the opposite axis, which is Libra, as I work towards a life of Libra traits, if that makes sense. So yours, you told me before we hopped on to record, is your North Node is in Capricorn. That's right. Is that right? Yes. Capricorn North Node. Yeah. So for you, themes in your life would be learning how to feed your natural ambition. Capricorns are the CEO of the Zodiac and learning how to implement work ethic in a way that really feels good in your body, strengthening relationships with um, father figures in your life. That's going to be important. Capricorn is also the the father of, of the Zodiac. Really allowing yourself to step into a place where you can be recognized for your reputation, for your talents, that is all Capricorn energy. When If you have a Capricorn North Node, your South Node is in Cancer. So you're coming into this lifetime with these Cancer traits of the feminine energy, being a, a mother to all, mothering self, planet, community. You're going to do that really naturally. But for you to feel like you're really living in your purpose, you, you have to take those natural traits, those traits that you're going to be really comfortable employing that come from the Cancer side and then work towards those Capricorn energies. And as you do that, you're going to feel like, okay, I'm living, I'm living in a way where I'm like really tapped into my gifts and talents. And I'm also striving towards the Capricorn side of me that when I reach those particular goals, when I really express that Capricorn energy, I'll feel like I'm making it, I'm doing it. I'm like on my path. Wow. This is resonating so much. It's actually... I have a quick story. It's a little deep, but I feel like it, it really like hits on what you're talking about specifically with my North node and South node is I was on a date recently and the guy was like, you know, if you, if you had a genie in a bottle, give you one wish, what would it be? And I was like, okay, I could go deep with this. I could go, you know, funny. I could go like career driven. Like, I don't know. And it was like a late night. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to get deep with it. So I was like, I feel like I have so much that I want to accomplish and have so much ambition and like visions and th- so many creations I want to put in the world. And at the same time, one of those things would be a family. And I have this belief that I can't have both, right? It's going to be like, build up your career and then have a family when you're like at the peak of it, or sacrifice your career and have a family and kind of have like an okay career. So it's just interesting that those two themes mm-hmm. are what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause it's like, that probably is my life's lesson of like, can I have both and yeah. do them both really well? Yeah, very much a life lesson. That is what North Node and South Node tells us. And the beautiful thing is, yes, you can have both. You're going to be naturally really beautiful as a mother. Like that is going to come so easily to you with that Cancer South Node energy. That's what that tells us. And at the same time, you're never going to stop striving. You're ne- your ambition is not going to go away. You're always going to want to achieve more, to be recognized for the work that you do. And that work could be in your business, but it could also be the work that you do in your family. And that is going to be really important to you. That is very much the Capricorn North Node, Cancer South Node axis lesson. And the reason I use North Node astrology and these soul strategy readings is exactly that. It is all about those lessons and finding purpose. And when we are on that path to purpose, we 
we all of a sudden kind of like just start, the doors start opening a whole lot easier. It's like, I'm getting the lessons, got it. I know what I'm going for. That's becoming more clear. And then the doors start to open. Yeah. I feel like it gives you language to also explain what you're feeling, right? Like you're like, okay, what, how do I actually like articulate this or how can I put this into a roadmap or something? And I feel like that's probably what these soul strategy readings do as well. That's what we do. Exactly. And then where does human design get layered in? Because I'm a reflector and I have to admit there's not a lot of content specific for reflectors because we are such the chameleons and shapeshifters and the content usually is like around making sure you have your own space. Like we need to cleanse our auras a lot. And so I'm curious in your readings, how do you integrate human design, especially for those rare reflectors like us listening? Yeah. I mean, we could talk about human design for days and not cover it all. There's so much to a human design chart. As a reflector, you are a very special human being, Chelsea. You are definitely quite unique. Reflectors, all of those things that you just said. So in our reading, what we would look at is, well, we would talk about that first, that there's this incredible need to do a couple of things as a reflector. One of those things is protecting your aura at all costs because you are like a sponge. You can take in everything going around on around you from ideas to the way your heart feels to the way you are processing emotions to the instincts that you're carrying in your, in your body. All of that, your voice, what you're going to say to the world, all of that can be greatly influenced by those around you if you're not really doing a lot of good protection work. But the beautiful thing about a reflector is, which is one of the reasons that you're such a great podcaster, is you are reflecting back to the world the lessons and the messages that we all need to hear. You are able to look out into the collective and see what stories will help us as a as a collective, as human beings, to evolve. And that is a very special reflector talent. So we would look at that and we would really identify ways for you to do that and what would make the best sense for you to do that in terms of the work that you do and the way that you live. And then we would look at those gates and channels that I talked about and look at, okay, what are the what are the core themes that we're seeing in the human design chart gates and channels specifically that can help us to uncover more about what you're meant to do on this planet at this time. And then we would also look at some of the other things like um, like you said that you're your six two reflectors, what you shared with me before. So we would look at that too, that profile and look at, okay, what what is a 6-2 representative of? 6-2s are seekers. They are super curious. They love exploring many topics and learning lots of new information. And then in your case, that also means then then sharing that information. 6-2s have a lesson around deciding what standards they want to live to. There's a lot of like wanting to make sure that information that you're absorbing and that information that you're then sharing is that there's no like that there's there's no mis misdiagnosis of what's actually going on that's really important to you to make sure that you know what you're what you're bringing forward and what you're also absorbing is really true is really true for you and true for the world that you live in the other thing that 6 twos have is six six twos live their life in three phases. Phase one is birth to your Saturn return, which is around age 30. And it's all about the lived experience. And then phase two is Saturn return until 
your Chiron return, which is around age 50. And that's all about reflection. And especially as a reflector, there's a lot of reflection going on there. And then sharing the lessons of your experience. And then phase three is from your Chiron return until the end of your life. And that is all about shared wisdom. And at that point in your life, it's like you are completely unfuckable with. You have you have done many things in your life that you can now, even as a reflector, no one is going to come and penetrate your aura at this point and influence you one way or another to, to live your life any other way except for what you know to be true. And then you're going to be able to share that far and wide and really help other people to have a life experience that works for them. And that will, that'll be something for you that once you hit that point of around age 50, it'll be a part of your mission. So that's a very 6-2 approach to life. And we would, in your reading, we would spend a lot of time on really mapping out what that looks like for you too. Oh my gosh. That is so insightful. And it's so helpful too, because um, like you said, you combine the North Node with the human design. So you're, it's not like you're getting one lens. Like yeah. It sounds like there's so many different solutions and roadmaps because especially someone like you, multi-passionate, multi-hyphenated, someone like me, we like doing a lot of things. I think people can get scared because we're like, oh, you know, they're just going to tell me like one thing to do and I don't want to do that. And for you, it's like, no, here's options based yeah. on what we're seeing with all these different kind of like self-identifying tools that we have. Totally. And I, I really, you know, and someone's like, well, I don't know if I believe in astrology. It's like, for me, I'm not going to try and convince anyone <laughs> to believe in astrology. What I use these tools for is exactly that. They are tools. They are, they are modalities that you can take a look at components of you to help you, to help guide you into living your life with more purpose, having more fun, getting more connected to your relationships, choosing the career that really lights you up, starting a business that you can really feel, feel excited about every day. All of that stuff is we're able to see in both of those charts paths and processes that will support you and just having that life that feels feels really great for you. That's so beautiful. Do you think there's a person who's an ideal fit for this? Like, would it be someone who's just starting out looking for the next step? Is it kind of like a reinvigorating thing for someone who feels lost? Like, is there any ideal person that you think would fit best for soul strategy readings? I find we have folks coming into these readings at all levels. I've had folks that are actually astrologers themselves that are like, I just want another perspective and also to incorporate the human design component. I have people that have never studied either of these two modalities that are like, I'm just really open to taking a look at what you might have to say. What I find is that most people come in with one of four things. They're either really wanting to discover calling and really tap into what their calling is there. So that's one. Two, I have people that come in, a lot of people that come in that are considering big life transitions. So they're making big moves or changing career paths, starting a business, and they really want to look at what is possible and how to best work through that transition. Um, then I have some folks that come in that are like, I'm just feeling really blocked. There's something going on and I need to figure out what this block is. And usually we can start to identify gifts, talents, ways of really connecting into your own decision making in a different way. And we can start to identify what those blocks are and get those out of the way. And then the other is there's a few folks that come in that are like, I just feel completely misaligned. I do not know what it is. I don't necessarily feel blocked. I just feel like I have chosen the wrong path and it feels off. And I just want to take a look at 
what is possible based on what you're seeing in my chart. And so I have some folks that come in for that reason too. And whichever of those four things you kind of fit into, we can work with these two charts to support each of those four areas. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. So how do they work? Like, do we go on your website? Do people reach out to you? Tell us how people can yeah. actually get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah. So they're all on my website. So we have a we have a site called Wee Wee Studio. I have my blog, which is where everything started for me 10 years ago. And then the beginning of this year, we launched, um, my team and I launched Wee Wee Studio, which is all of our courses, retreats, coaching, workshops, all of that stuff lives on WeWe Studio. It's O-U-I-W-E studio.com. And you can sign up for a soul strategy reading. We open them up a couple of times a year, but they're becoming a little bit more frequent (laughs) because I'm really having a fun time doing them. So there's not any real rhyme or reason to when they're going to be open. It's when I'm really feeling called to offer these. And so right now, as this podcast is coming out, they are open and available. So you just go to my website, click into Soul Strategy Readings, you book a session, you'll fill out some information ahead of time to give me the details about you so I can pull your charts. And then we spend an hour together and then I will send you some stuff to follow up with to help you to further integrate. And that's the process. Beautiful. Well, I have one final question that I ask all my guests. You are clearly an expert in soul strategy, manifestation, mindset, so many different topics that you are well-versed in, but what is something you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Mm, Something I'm not an expert in that I wish that I was. You know, (laughs) this is like, so not maybe where you think I'm going to go. I really wish I was a real estate expert. I've been, this year I've been, I bought a new property. We just opened a retreat house. I had to do a lot of, a lot of learning to feel my own sense of worth going into that situation. And then I've been watching Selling the OC. I've just been watching Selling the OC. And I'm like, these sisters like know some stuff about real estate. And I'm, I just would like to know some more stuff about real estate. That's a good skill to have. Like yeah. that is a lifelong skill that would really help you in multiple situations. So <laughs> yeah, I think I need to watch selling those OC and get, get some basic tips going. I mean, also you just get to look at beautiful houses and you know, that's, I think that's a little, that's kind of fun. So I'm oh, enjoying, that. <laughs> enjoying that. But yeah, that would be my answer, Chelsea. I would like to have a skill set around real estate. Amazing. Well, Andy, this has been such an incredible conversation. I've loved talking to you. Everyone, make sure you go check out her soul strategy readings. We will link everything in the show notes. And Andy, again, I just want to thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. So good to get to spend time with you again. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you found as much value out of that episode as I did. I love talking about this type of stuff. And I think Andy is such a good example of someone that took her background, her network, her connections, and fuse them into the way she operates now. So I just want to remind you all listening, if you're quitting your job and you're like, great, I'm going to have to start from square one and these skills were useless and I just wasted so much time working in this, this specific job, I can assure you those skills will come in handy at some point in your career. Everything I do now, I learned from my old job from sales to following up to email etiquette to hosting a meeting, like all of that stuff I learned in my own job. So don't think that when you quit, you're just starting from a blank page. You're definitely not. 
Now, if you found this show valuable, please consider leaving a rating and review and you will be entered into a giveaway to win my interview like Oprah masterclass. If you leave a review on Apple podcasts. So all you have to do is go to Apple podcasts, find my show, scroll down to the write a review section, write your review, screenshot that, send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife. And then I will pull two winners at the end of the month to win this masterclass. So if you want to hone in on your interviewing skills and become a really incredible conversationalist, this masterclass is perfect for you. And of course, if you feel so inclined, throw five stars up on Spotify as well. It really helps podcasters in the charts, which helps this show find more people. Consider it like payment for this podcast. All right. As always, I am so grateful for you listening. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week.